Hello, baseball fans, and hello, Lockdown Guardians fans. I want to thank you all for tuning in, making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, free and available wherever it is you get podcasts. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, if you do not know me. Well, I'm almost 700 episodes in, so you've got a lot of chances to find out more. Before I took this gig, and actually concurrently when I took this gig, I was the lead draft and prospect analyst for 24-7 before they cut baseball. Before that, I was the national guy at Scout. Been on just about every drive time radio except Cleveland's, funny enough. Uh, but now I am all here on Locked On talking about your Cleveland Guardians. The CBA discussion I'm finding exhausting. Hit me up on my Twitter at Draft. Are you finding it exhausting? I like talking about the draft stuff because, again, I love the draft, so duh. But I also thought it was fun to look at it and be, you know, it was a system that was interesting and a lot of fun. So, again, hit me up on my Twitter with uh, more ideas, questions, everything else for the show. Let's take a break from the CBA. Uh, here, we'll do 30 seconds on the CBA right here. You ready? Uh, the owner said they're going to uh, do a counterproposal. They didn't and said ask for a mediator. They just don't seem like they, they're trying. They seem content to really hardball this. I don't know. We'll see how this goes. They're, you know, they, they did the lockout, then wouldn't talk for six weeks, started negotiations. The, the players have made some minor moves. Ownership really hasn't. Like, the things they've moved on are very small. <laughs> was it? Uh, we saw the whole thing where the players wanted the pre-arbitration pool to be 110 million. The owners like 10. And again, that it was a situation. I can know I've gone over the 30 seconds, but that was a situation where for the owners it was players from zero to three. For the uh, for the owners, I think I said there for players it was zero to two. So it was even a smaller uh, pool of players. You know, very vastly different amounts. I mean, it's already a hundred million dollar difference, but it's even more. Uh, distant than you think and the players came back and said a hundred million and the owners basically said okay if you're gonna move that small incrementally then uh yeah they didn't even bother countering and uh that's where we are at the cba and that's why i find it depressing let's talk about something interesting i was clicking around and i was like uh, one of our more popular features has been just drafts taking a draft year talking about who the indians drafted who they signed who they didn't sign who were the best picks in each round uh, and again, it's been a popular series in there, but when I was kind of clicking around, going through and looking at draft years, I found the still active picks from all the Indians drafts. And I thought this would be fun to take apart and look. This is drafts from 2006 through 2018. That's the period of players that still are playing somewhere across baseball. This is how I found out that David Huff pitched a lot of innings last year for AAA Tacoma. I did not expect anyone. They were not good innings, uh, either, but yeah, he, and also, I had some extra appreciation. That 2006 class, Dave Huff, David Huff in the first round. Okay, that didn't work out. But hey, he pitched 120 games in the big leagues. Kind of surprising that Stephen Wright only ended up with 81 games pitched. Remember that one really awesome season he had for the Red Sox and then health? And I think he also had some off the field and some issues. But still, Stephen Wright was their second rounder. Then you go to the fifth rounder, Chris Archer. Now, he didn't pitch, but he's still connected to, to teams. And then the 10th, uh, Paulo Espino, who bounced around the minors forever before appearing in 49 games in the big leagues. And the 19th round was Josh Tomlin. Not bad, right? I mean, that's that's a pretty solid class all in all. I mean, you could build a pitching staff out of that. It wouldn't be a great pitching staff. At peak, it would have been an okay one if you take the peak years of all of those players. Your top three would have been good. After that, eh. But still... 
what is interesting is every single year from 2006 through 2018 still has an active player that they drafted and signed. Not just drafted, but drafted and signed. 2007 was close. 2007 is a bust of a draft. Uh, maybe someday we'll really dig into it, but it is top to bottom, you know, just one of the worst drafts in the franchise's history. I believe it is a draft year with a negative war. Second best, second round, I'm not, sorry, the best player from that class, far and away, uh, was a fourth rounder, and that's TJ McFarland, who essentially has made it through the big leagues by having a left-handed arm will travel. Uh, 323 games in the big leagues, been worth 0.5 war. Like he was never even a huge prospect. He wasn't. Like, I, I started covering, he was drafted in 2007. So that is, of course, you know, the postseason year. That's the year I moved to New York City. That is the year I was like, oh, I should write about baseball. That was like the first year I thought about writing about baseball. And I remember distinctly being like, I wish there was more out there in the minor leagues. The Indians minor leagues were awful at the time, so it was hard to really dig. And this is back when like Mayo was doing MLB by himself. And like Mayo works his tail off, but that was an impossible job. Even with like the now they have more than two people. There's some behind the scenes stuff. When Mayo was doing that by himself, I have no idea how he did that. But you had that, and you know there were issues with that because a lot of it was just like draft order. And you know, uh, you know, I remember Goble, the guy who's now bounced around with the Cubs and a few other teams who like washed out of the Indians minors. Ruben Goble, maybe I blank on his name, where like he was in the top ten even though he'd been awful just because he had signed like a seven figure bonus. And again an impossible job. I'm not, Mayo did it a million times better than I ever could. Don't view that. No one should go out there and be like, he's talking bad about you. I'm saying the list weren't great, but Mayo did a fantastic job for what he had to do. It's, you know, there's no way around it. But, you know, you had that. Baseball America was paywalled. Fangraphs didn't have things. Uh, I had just moved to New York City. I think I already mentioned this at the time. And uh, I was struggling to find a job. I ended up working at Target for about three months, even though I had my, you know, my college degree. Uh, so paying for Baseball America just wasn't in the cards. When I got my first teaching job the next year at a school for children with autism, I uh, that's I bought it, bought myself a Baseball America <laughs> subscription actually uh, in 2008. 2008 is when I started writing at Indians Baseball Insider, and then say I moved back to Ohio in 2012. So. I think 2013, I was, I posted I was retiring. I was like, I gave it five years, nothing came of it. I was quitting. Got a text from Tony, like, I need to talk to you. We met up, <laughs> talked about stuff, and he offered me the scout gig. Like, they were moving over. Scout had interest in what I had written for them, and I got it. And that's kind of the story of how we get here. Gosh, it's been, it's been a lot of years, but that's my background. So, all of this is to say, I started writing about the miners in 2008. Uh, T.J. McFarland really never came up. Like he just wasn't ever an impact guy. He never did a whole lot. But he's carved out a niche as a okay, like second lefty out of the pen. It's kind of amazing. Uh, but that is just that is the one year where I think there's only one representative outside of 2018, where Nick Sandlin is the one representative as well. So how should we break this down? Should we go with like the top ten? Should we break down classes first? Which way? Hmm. Tune in uh, right after this quick break, and you'll find out. Did I start with the players? Did I start with the classes? Some really interesting data in front of us and stories to tell. For some odd reason, I wanted to do my Built Bar ad read there for a second uh, in the Jetsons theme. Uh, I'm not going to do it. You're saved. 
what is new at Bilt Bar right now? White chocolate cookies and cream, which basically is a Oreo. I think they weren't allowed to say Oreo and they can't say hydroxide. So instead, the current new Bilt Bar flavor is what appears to be white chocolate cookies and cream, aka something that looks like an Oreo. Additionally, right now, you can get coconut brownie chunk, winner of the Sweet 64, coconut marshmallow is one of the ones. I still have caramel macchiato. And here's the thing. I like the caramel almond delight. I got a box of that at home. Caramel macchiato. I have not tried that one yet. And eggnog. I'm tempted by all three of those are currently on sale. And when you use the promo code LOCK15, you get a sale on top of a sale. So if you want to go and try it, I like caramel almond delight. Caramel macchiato and eggnog are very tempting for me right now. But I still got a box and a half. I can't go be- I can't go buy more of these. I love this product. I buy it often. I put my money where my mouth where my mouth is. Go to BuiltBar.com, try it for yourself. Remember that promo code is LOCKED15, and it's a product I just, I have it every day. I can't recommend it more than that. I can't tell you anything else other than the fact this is a product I use daily and enjoy. So I figured let's start with years and then go with players. The most successful draft class, you might think, oh, it's going to be 2016, or it's going to be 2011. Now, those were stellar classes. Uh, it's also hard because this is just players still in the big leagues. So the 2011 class, for instance, who is still, not just in the big leagues, minors, majors, and also it's players who didn't sign. Uh, the 2011 class had Kevin Kramer, Stephen Tarpley, Dylan Peters, who are all still kicking around, all have negative war, but none of them signed. I think Tarpley was the biggest surprise just because he was a 7th or 8th round pick, and those almost always sign, like those top 10. Dylan Peters, they made a massive push for. That was the guy from that class that they really tried to get signed, and it didn't happen. It is interesting, though, like, Sean Armstrong is still kicking around more. Mondo from that class. You know, Ryan Merritt was part of that class. He's not kicking around anymore. Uh, Eric Haas finally got a chance last year, and he broke out. Uh, Francisco Lindor. Like, those guys. Cody Allen was in that class. Like, he is already retired. He's the greatest reliever in Indians history. And it speaks to, A, how quickly he moved through the minors, that, like, he had that career um, and everything else. But, like, he is retired and out of baseball uh, and the rest of this class, you're talking about like Eric Haas, who uh, had that huge breakout last year, and I don't think he qualified for Rookie of the Year, but he like nearly might have. So it is interesting to look at that class. Of course, you know, the 2016 class, you have Plesak, Bieber, and Aaron Savali. By the way, they also drafted uh, Will Crow, who they drafted twice uh, before he ended up going to the Nationals, being traded to the Pirates. I still wouldn't be surprised if he ended up in Cleveland someday. They liked him, and I'm sure there's something they could do to fix his mechanics, and he has not been great in the big leagues, so just keep that under your hat. They obviously liked him quite a bit. Now, I mentioned those two classes because they're the famous ones. Uh, We talked about 2006, which was surprisingly good with five. 2010 had six, and that's a good one to point out because the six is, uh, (laughs) you know, how to clarify it. So you got... Pomeranz in the first, you get Tony Walters in the second, but the rest is like Brock Stasi, who didn't sign, Bobby Wall, who's the guy they really went for hard in that class, who didn't sign, Birch Smith, who they drafted like three times, I kid, but it was something like that uh, when it comes to that class. So the 2010 on paper didn't really seem like that good of a class, but at least they had some players they signed. But the, the King class, the one that has the most players drafted are 2013 and 2014. And between them, the the top class is the is the 14 class because the 2013 class had multiple players who did not sign the 2014 class everyone they drafted who was still in the big leagues signed so in that 2013 class both classes had eight players 
2013 is kind of amazing that they got to eight because again remember that's the year they gave up their second and third best picks to sign Swisher and Bourne it's Frazier Plitko Pannon Cole Sulcer and Ben Heller were the guys who they drafted and signed and then you have uh, the ones who didn't sign Will Crow hey he is again talked about how they drafted him a bunch Mark Payton and Ryan Hendricks now Hendricks is eh, you know Hendricks and uh, Hendricks is a little bit lower in terms of like games played and stuff, but still, all three of those players uh, were ones that they drafted. But that 2014 class, yeah, they had a lot of firsts. You know, that's Bradley Zimmer, Justice Sheffield, Will Crow, <laughs> not Will Crow, <laughs> Will Crow in the mind, Mike Pappy, not even like their same first name or something. But you got Zimmer, Sheffield, Bobby Bradley, Sam Henches, Greg Allen, Julian Merriweather. J.P. Fireisen and Cam Hill. <sighs> J.P. Fireisen, man. That's probably the same scout. Like, they traded Heller and Fire and, and uh, Fireisen. And Fireisen was uh, Wisconsin Stevens Point, which now they live in Wisconsin. I know, you know, that's a really solid D2 school. Like, there's only one D2. There's only one D1 program for baseball in the state of Wisconsin. It's the University of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Madison does not have baseball. But Cam Hill... You know, before his injury, he looked like he could possibly be, a, uh, you know, a back, not a back-end reliever, but kind of a extra relief arm. Fire eyes, and I'm still disappointed when the Yankees cut him loose, the Indians didn't try. Milwaukee righted their ship, and he was one of the central pieces in that Willie Adamis trade, and he helped out uh, Tampa. Merriweather, that's another one. If he'd been healthy, he'd be a lot higher in terms of everything. He's been excellent when healthy, he just hasn't been healthy for Toronto. That was the Josh Donaldson trade. And, uh, of course, Justice Sheffield went out in the trade for uh, Miller, though he is not, he's got neg- almost a negative one war. It's, he's a complete afterthought in Seattle. Uh, and for as much as, you know, Bradley Zimmer is an issue. Uh, so right now, just in terms of class, not in terms of like value, but just class, the most picks, that's 2014. That is the most picks drafted and signed. Uh, if you're looking at classes, it's probably 2011, even though it's essentially, I mean, Haas is worth 1.4 and Armstrong 1.1, but it's because Lindor just crushes the field. Now, uh, you know, we can talk about the players. There's a few different ways. We can look at overall war. We can look at bonus money, which is also interesting. Uh, There's a lot of things we can take apart and look at, and we'll get into that. We're going to take our next commercial break. Now we talked about the years in here. Uh, You know, so just I'll give you the final rundown here. Eight players each in 2014, 2013. 2014, all eight signed. These are players who are still left in the big leagues. 2011 has seven, 2010, six, and then 2006, 2010, and 2017. And why did I write into that uh, corner there? Maybe 2015. All have five each. After that, you got some big drops with the lowest being 2018 and uh, what, what did I say? 2007, right, with TJ McFarland. So we're going to take that commercial break, come back, and talk about the individual players. Who have been the 10 best draft picks? I got these written in front of me in terms of war. It's a a little bit deflating to look at. I'm not going to lie. You're going to want to tune in and find out. So join me back here in a moment. And that fantastic sponsor that is helping keep this show going is BetOnline.net. BetOnline has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. As football continues, it's March through the playoffs. It's Super Bowl time, right? Big game in a couple of weeks. BetOnline.net remains the best spot for all your sports, scores, podcasts, and news this season. 
It's not just football. BetOnline has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with real-time updates of current games. Don't wait to take advantage of the new and amazing offers available for the 2022 season. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, still active players. Let's start with the money side of things. So there are 58 total players that the Indians have drafted that are still playing either in the majors or minors. Uh, Two compensation picks in this whole list. I have to laugh because, you know, we talked about, to go back into the CBA, we recently talked about some of those players that were CBA picks. uh, Or not CBA picks. We talked about the idea of the compensation. They, you know, they got a compensation pick. Uh, for Ubaldo, which I had, I thought Ubaldo was um, was just a Sheffield, but I must be wrong. It must have been Mike Pappy instead. Uh, I was pretty sure that was Sheffield. I mean, I'll go look. You know, later on, according to this, the only compensation picks was uh, David Huff was a supplementary pick for the loss of Bob Howery and Stephen Wright. Both picks from that 2006 draft, that second rounder, was a compensation pick for the loss of Kevin Millwood. Uh, 58 total players all played in the big leagues, 167.7 war, or an average of 2.9. Uh, we do get a lot of negatives as well. I should just throw that out there. On this list, I can see you know, over 10, probably closer to 20 of those uh, 58 players have a negative war. And there are repeats. Like, let's just be honest about that. Because the Indians do redraft. They do have guys they like. Birch Smith, I mentioned, was drafted twice. We talked about Will Crow. Justin Garza drafted twice as well on this list. Uh, I think those might be the three. But now let's talk money. Uh, they had eight players who have signed for over a million dollars in this time. Number one is Clint Frazier. Then Francisco Lindor. Drew Pomeranz. Tristan McKenzie. Fourth highest bonus. Bradley Zimmer, Tyler Naquin, Justice Sheffield, Tony Walters. So to finish out the top 10, if you're curious, Bobby Bradley and then David Huff. 21 of the 58 got 300K or more. So this list pairs down pretty quickly. Uh, If you want to talk more than 500K, I mean, Shane Bieber only got 420K. So if Huff is 10, Nick Sandlin 11, Hench is at 12, Stephen Wright 13, Savali 14, 15, Eric Haas, 16, Jason Bieber, 17 would be Shane Bieber at 420,000. Then Ernie Clement is 18 at 350, and he's tied there with Sean Moore and Mondo. So it actually is not a lot of guys they gave big money to during these times that are still in the big leagues. Uh, and it's also like how many first round picks are still left uh, in this one? A, a decent amount when you look at it, because it is McKenzie and Sheffield and Zimmer and Naquin and Lindor and Pomeranz and Frazier and Huff. Uh, second round, uh, the cursed round for them has not been as good, though Sandlin, Jason Kipnis, and Stephen Wright have been very productive. We come down, uh, there is one 10th rounder, Paulo Espino. We've talked about how bad they've been in the 10th. But you have to get to the 13th round to have a round that is not represented, and the 13th and 14th are not in there. But then it kicks back up with the 15th, 16th, 17th, 18th, 19th, 20th. Uh, you don't want to hear me count. But it goes from you know 15 through round 22, no round 23, we get all the way down with 24, 25, 26, and then 27 to 30, nothing, and then it gets really hit or miss. So in the late rounds, you've got the 31st, 33rd, 35th, 36th, 39th, 41st, 44th, 48th, and 49th. And of those late rounds, only the 33rd round pick, Roberto Perez, and the 48th round pick, Vidal Nuno, who actually signed. Vidal Nuno is one of those most interesting guys because here's the other thing. If we look at just pure war of Indians draft picks, who are the 10 best draft picks? Uh, 
you might hear some surprises, but let's just do it in order here. Lindor, then Kipnis, Max Muncy, Chris Archer. That's right, the Max Muncy with the Dodgers was uh, the Indians drafted him out of high school in the 41st round. Uh, no chance to sign one of those deals. But so you have Chris Archer at four, Drew Pomeranz five, Shane Bieber is already six, Joey Wendell seven, Roberto Perez eighth best, Adam Warren at nine is a little sad. Like, because he's bounced around as a reliever with a lot of places. He's never been like stellar. I mean, he's got 300 games in the big leagues. He's a, you know, he's what you hoped Cam Hill would aspire to. And saying there at 10th is a uh, old friend, Josh Tomlin. It's kind of surprised he wasn't a little bit higher that Adam Warren has accumulated more war than Josh Tomlin. If you want to talk just players that have signed, then 11 and 12 overall would move in the top 10. That's Plesak, then Savali. And then Plesak has been worth 5.1 war to Savali's 4.1. And Plesak's actually pitched in 11 more games in the big leagues, which when you think about when they debuted and everything else, again, just goes to what I've talked about with Savali's health issue. Next on that list, by the way, another pitcher, unfortunately one they didn't sign, uh, Merrill Kelly. And the next player up is Vital Nuno, who I'm never going to understand it. Like, he went on to pitch 155 games of pretty solid left-handed relief in the big leagues. Had some starts as well. He had good numbers in the minors. He was just a non-priority prospect, and they really cut him without giving him a chance. He is a spot ahead of Tyler Naquin. By the way, go dig into his numbers if you're still complaining about the Indians letting Indian slash Guardians letting him go. Uh, middle of the season, he complete. He had that great first month. R- middle of the season, like he's just he's below average. June, July, uh, no, below average. May and June really tanks it in July. Fantastic in August, and then really tanks it again in September. Just a classic. Tyler Naquin gets really hot, gets really cold, gets really hot, gets really cold. And you know, again, for as much as Naquin's been around, you're still looking at a guy who. He's only been worth 3.5 war in uh, over 450 games. Yeah, so that's just we. I mean, Bradley Zimmer, by the way, is uh, two spots below him. It goes Naquin, Wright, Zimmer. So that that's current listings. It has a, of course, a high chance to change once Kipnis retires, which we assume is sooner rather than later. Will Chris Archer ever get healthy? Uh, it, then just guys like Tristan McKenzie, who's currently sitting further down the list. He's just he is currently tied with uh, for big league war with Nick Magical, James, and James Karinchok. It's it's interesting looking at it just in terms of like the value, like who's left. It's also a little depressing, right? That you go through this list, top value guys. Jason Kipnis had health issues uh, at various points and inconsistencies throughout his career. If you ever followed me as a writer, you know I talked about the fact that for whatever reason he was awesome, and then June or I'm sorry, then July came and he was like the first half, second half he had the wildest splits. Like he could just not hit. And he was you almost wanted him to just go home on August first. Be like, okay, thanks for your contributions to the team. You tried your best. Uh, his one fantastic year uh, that was not the case, but almost every other year he just could not hit in the second half. Chris Archer traded, Drew Pomeranz traded, Shane Bieber still here, Joey Wendell traded, and the thing about Wendell, Pomeranz, and Archer is they all were traded before they could contribute. Uh, so when you're looking at the guys who've actually been pretty good, they were all sent out of town um, before giving a, a, any chance. Uh, you can move through the list and see, for instance, if we went down to 20th overall, 
technically it's Nick Madrigal, but it's that actual tie for uh, 18th place between him and Karen Chalk and McKenzie. At 21 is Eric Haas. And if you go down to 30th ranking in here, you have um, TJ McFarland is 30. 31 is Julian Merriweather. It's kind of interesting because it is uh, Ben Heller is right above McFarland. Thomas Pannone's a little bit farther down. Lewis Head, who we talked about recently, who like kind of came out of nowhere to resurface this past year uh, with Tampa and then was traded to Miami. Uh, you got Nick Sandlin. It's like this big chunk of relievers essentially in there. Uh, and then if you get past all those relievers, you go past Eli Morgan, there is Clint Frazier uh, listed. And if you go past Frazier to Justin Garza, that's when you get to Bobby Bradley, who currently sports a career war of zero. Uh, so that's that's kind of where it is. Uh, you can keep going down. The worst war is David Huff at negative 1.8. Uh, you can find some great writings I did on him. Uh, don't. I, I was really high on David Huff. Birch Smith is the second worst. Preston Gilmet, who's still bouncing around. I mean, of course, if he's on the list, he's still bouncing around. Uh, Kevin Kramer, I really liked that pickup with the Pirates. That just has not worked for him. And fifth worst war amongst Indians draft picks who have played in the big leagues and are still currently active, Sam Henches. Uh, yeah, not ideal. Those are the and those five players I mentioned are the ones who have a war that's a negative one or higher. Uh, everyone else is below that. Justice Sheffield would be next on the list to just kind of talk about uh, where his career has gone. And that's the thing again with these big value guys of those seven players who signed, or I'm sorry, eight players who signed for a million dollars or more. Uh, the number with a war greater than three is three. It's Drew Pomeranz, Francisco Lindor and um, Tyler Naquin. Bradley Zimmer's at a 2.7, and so he might get there. And Tristan McKenzie at a 1.7 likely will as well. But still, that w- that still only gets you up to 5 out of 8 for your big money guys, with quite a few of them just being awful. Um, maybe everyone rebounds. Maybe Clint Frazier finds life in Chicago. It's a good place for him in terms of what they did last year and rehabilitating hitters, which is kind of interesting to look at. I thought it was kind of a fun exercise looking at all this data, going through it, and talking about who they've drafted who's still in the big leagues. You know, we talk about drafting success, not success. Uh, this is, I don't know if it really, I would you, of course you expect, you know, kind of that sweet spot of the draft classes where the guys have had enough time to develop in the minors but aren't old enough to start really having a huge amount of retirements to be where it is. But you can definitely also still see the effect of, when thought process has changed and when things start to shift around that 2011 draft. Yeah, the 2012 draft wasn't great. There's lots of issues with that, but the fact you have, like, like we're talking about their top draft classes, you have 11, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, all here. And ones like 17, 18 will keep going uh, in terms of players getting up there. So you can definitely see where the change happened. I do want to give a quick recommendation if you have the athletic to go check out a piece Grant Brisby did about the biggest dra- uh, droughts in baseball. Uh, I need to go check. I did message or you know Twitter message to let him know, hey, Kelly Gruber was an Indian. But uh, the one thing I do want to take away from his piece is it's like the biggest droughts at each position between an all-star appearance. And no, the Indians aren't the top in the outfield. It belongs to the Giants. Uh, but the Indians are the top in terms of relievers. Uh, Jim Kern was the last draft and developed reliever they had who made an all-star team uh, with the organization that drafted and developed that said player. 
Uh, if you've listened to this podcast for any length of time, you've heard me talk about just how amazingly bad the developmental history of relievers in Cleveland have been. So that should be no surprise. It was a fun article. Uh, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen, free and available every day. I mean, there's 700 plus episodes. Go re-listen to one. Catch and listen to an oldie but a goodie. Uh, especially the historical ones are good forever. Go listen to the all-time team ones, things like that. Uh, remember to rate and review. That really helps the show. Download daily. I know everyone's got a little bit of case of the CBA blues, but we keep it light. We keep it fun on the show. So still tune in. And baseball, college baseball, like it's imminent. So you're going to want to tune in for that. And uh, as I end every episode now, well, first, go check out Locked On. Let's go say go check out. I've been saying to go check out Locked On Cavs, you know, keeping it in Cleveland. Go check out Locked Out Browns. I'm sure they're going to talk about the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, and Hugh Jackson, the gift that just never goes away. Uh, Again, I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Locked On Guardians podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you to all of our listeners. I appreciate you all so much. And as we end every episode now, go, go, Guardians, go.